This is Tyler Lancaster, and you're listening to Outside the Tundra with Josh Frey-Sam. Rodgers gets the snap, blitzes on, Rodgers scrambles He's left, winds up, rainbow. He's got Cobb at the 10 to the 5, yes! to the end zone, touchdown! Throws the left sideline, intercepted, down the sidelines, Tremont Williams into the clear, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20. He turned 32 yesterday, does he have a vintage moment in In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Richard Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. And there is your dagger! And now, Outside the Tundra with Josh Frysack. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Outside the Tundra, episode three. Back for another episode with you, Josh Fry Sam here. Thank you very much for tuning in. We got a lot to get to, you guys. This is, I, I've been meaning to record this episode for a little while now, and just news and things have been coming up that I've been needing to add and subtract and just things going on. Listen, we're here now. We're here now. Beautiful Tuesday that I am recording this, and this is a big episode. Because this is our 2021 free agency primer here for our Green Bay Packers. First, I want to get to some news. I want to get to some news here. And the first, we're going to kick this off with not Packers news. Although it does relate to the Packers. That being J.J. Watt. Yes, the superstar defensive end who we were coveting in free agency uh, this year. Decided to sign a two-year, $31 million contract with the Arizona Cardinals, keeping them in the NFC. So there is a chance that we may see Mr. Watt at some point in 2021. However, he will not be on the Green Bay Packers squad. Two years, $31 million, to keep it short, we, were, we just weren't going to pay him that. And there probably weren't too many teams that were going to pay him that. So knowing that, I'm okay losing him. If it was a number that we could have got him at, I probably would have been maybe a little bit more salty about it. But listen, good for JJ. It is so tough to secure a bag at 31 years old, especially with the injury history he has had in this league. Good for him. He was still able to to make some great money. And why him? I I, I tweeted this uh, the other day, you know, on my personal account was that why why the Arizona Cardinals? Well, again, they were probably one of very few teams, if not the only team that was willing to pay J.J. Watt an average of uh, $15.5 million a year. And besides that, he must have felt that they were close enough to being a contender. You know, the Arizona Cardinals aren't, they were an underdog team for sure in this whole entire thing. They weren't the Packers, they weren't the Bills, they weren't the Browns or the Raiders or the Titans or any of those other teams that got mentioned. The Cardinals were just kind of doing their work low-key. And the, the Cardinals have some pieces. You know, we know what their offensive is capable of. Um, they haven't really been able to put it all together in Cliff Kingsbury's tenure there, but they do have the pieces in place and JJ Watt should be able to bolster that defense as well. Good for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see how far they, they get with him. Um, I'm not overly concerned with that team. They did get better with this move, but I'm, I'm not the Arizona Cardinals to me aren't true contenders like the Green Bay Packers are. Anyways, let's get to our Packers. Enough about J.J. Watt. He is off our board, out of our minds. We have bigger fish to fry now. News. Christian Kirksey. Uh, many of you already know I'm a little bit late to this news on reporting it, but Christian Kirksey and Rick Wagner uh, were unsurprisingly cut from the Green Bay Packers squad uh, last week. 
Rick Wagner clearing up $4.25 million in cap space and Christian Kirksey clearing up $5.6 million in cap space. Now, just my quick thoughts on that. Christian Kirksey was not surprising uh, at all. You know, Rick Wagner was more surprising than Christian Kirksey, but Christian Kirksey was more of a, again, I reported that he probably had his best game of the year in the NFC Championship, Uh, but he just wasn't available enough. He didn't show enough at all from that linebacker position. He didn't seem to bolster it too much. And with that being said, maybe Joe Barry just honestly also didn't feel like Christian Kirksey was going to bring anything that we didn't already have to the defense, to our new defense. So with that being said, Christian Kirksey uh, will hopefully find a new team in 2021, but it will not be with the Green Bay Packers. Rick Wagner, on the other hand, was a little bit more surprising to me. And that only being because of our current state of our offensive line. We don't know what's going to happen. And I'm going to get to the next news right away that ties in with this. But we don't have a center. We don't have a left tackle as it stands right now. And now we don't have really a right tackle as it stands right now. So Rick Wagner, I was kind of thinking that there was a chance, an outside chance that the Packers would keep him. But obviously, I'm not really surprised at, at them deciding to move on from him. Uh, it's It was just more of a, hmm, I wonder what they're going to do now. I wonder what their plan is, right? We know that we have a couple of uh, young guards that are waiting in the wings right now in, in Simon, uh, Simon Stepnak. And, and then also, obviously, we have Elton Jenkins and, and we have Billy Turner, right? And David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari is not expected to, to start in 2021. He, he might, but I won't be surprised if he's not out there week one for us. So with that being said, it's our line is really hanging in the balance right now. We still have a very solid line. There's some still some st- solid options out there for us to go attack. But as it stands right now, our line is just very much up in the air. I'm very confident that we're going to be able to, to fill the holes, but it's just uneasy right now. And Rick Wagner is just, do not be surprised if Rick Wagner becomes 2021's Jared Veldier. You guys will remember that Jared Veldier was on the Packers roster in 2019. Uh, We eventually let him hit free agency in 2020. And then he rejoined us for our playoff run as uh, a depth piece at the tackle position. Obviously understands what we're trying to do on the offensive side of the ball and uh, is a veteran presence uh, on that offensive line. So a serviceable player at that position. Rick Wagner could very well be that piece if he isn't picked up elsewhere or if he starts floating around throughout free agency. So keep an eye. This may not be the last we see of Rick Wagner in a Packers uniform. He might. We might see him down the road in the season as a, as a mid-season, late-season signing. Uh, moving on to the next news, Corey Lindsley is officially expected to hit free agency. Guys, this is a massive void, and and I and I touched on it before, being that Corey Lindsley probably need to be our biggest priority in my mind in this offseason. Now, the Packers, it, it, it's one of those where our versatile offensive line is kind of the silver lining here, right? I wonder if that is exactly why the Green Bay Packers were comfortable in moving on from from Corey Lindsley, being that we have Elton Jenkins who has reps at center, we have Lucas Patrick who I would expect to be our week one starter at center. He has reps at at center as well. But what Corey Lindsley brought to the table was far beyond what he he brought as a skill set. Not only is he one of the best, uh, if not the best, center in the National Football League currently, but it's his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. That center quarterback exchange, as many of us know, is just so crucial to making the offense tick. And not only that, his relationship with the quarterback, but... The leadership overall that he brought 
to the locker room, right? I, I think I tweeted this being that if we could, in a perfect world, if we could bring back Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley, we brought in JJ Watt, and we also brought back Mercedes Lewis, that's championship caliber leadership right there, along with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, all those other guys that we already have on the roster. But we have a lot of leadership that is sitting out there in free agency now. And, and that's not good. And, and um, there's no doubt in my mind that we will be able to get back and, and have that leadership going forward. But it's just, you can't just replace guys like Corey Lindsay. You can't just replace guys like Mercedes Lewis. You can't just replace guys like Aaron Jones from a leadership standpoint, right? There's going to there's gonna be other guys that are going to come in now and, and uh, maybe not at all those positions. Hopefully we bring back Aaron Jones and, and Mercedes Lewis, but there's going to be other guys that come in on the team and that are going to fill that leadership role. But, you know, Corey Lindsay, again, just leaves a big void to fill in more ways than one on this on this roster. But again, look at Lucas Patrick as being uh, our week one starter at the center position. I, I would project him there with Elton Jenkins at right guard and then Simon Stepniak at uh, left guard. And then the rest will fill in uh, as we go here. Maybe Billy Turner at right tackle or, or left tackle, and then we'll see uh, where else we go from there. Uh, next news. And this is probably the final news here. We're in the franchise tag slash transition tag window now. We are in, we have hit a big milestone in the offseason. And this is exciting. This isn't typically exciting for Packers fans, but this is exciting uh, if you are an overall football fan and this year, especially if you are a Packers fan, because Corey Lindsley being gone now opens up the door for our own Aaron Jones to be franchise tagged. And guys, I think that I, I've said it before. I think that the franchise tag is more likely than a lot of people think. And now with Corey Lindsley not returning to the Green Bay Packers this year, I think it is very likely that Aaron Jones gets franchise tagged. Why? Because he would be franchise tagged at that 10 to $11 million range. And I love that number, right? We look at the production that Aaron Jones has had for us. We're, we're comparing him to guys like Christian McCaffrey on a pay level, uh, Alvin Kamara on a pay level, Dalvin Cook on a pay level, right? These are all guys that are or will be making 15, 16 million dollars a year. So if we can get Aaron Jones and the production that he provides us on our roster at 10, 11 million dollars uh, for the one year, I don't see why we wouldn't do that. Now, the only thing that stands between Aaron Jones coming back on a franchise tag is whether or not he signs it, right? We like to think of Aaron Jones as this guy who is uh, very well-mannered and super, super loyal to the green and gold, right? Just very, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Obviously wears uh, his heart on his sleeve when it comes to the, when it comes to his passion, his love for the green and gold. But let's just say there's already been reports of teams like the Miami Dolphins that are willing to really just go all in on Aaron Jones, right? So let's just say the Miami Dolphins, and, and we know that all this illegal tampering happens behind the scenes. I'd be very shocked if the Miami Dolphins weren't already in touch with Aaron Jones regarding a contract. Let's just say the Dolphins offered Aaron Jones a three or four year contract at $14 million a year. But then the Green Bay Packers know that Aaron Jones, well, yeah, that's a pretty attractive offer. We're going to franchise take Aaron Jones. Well, are you, if you're Aaron Jones, do you abide by that loyalty to the Green Bay Packers? on that one-year deal where we've seen people get hurt and, and really it costs them some money? Or do you hold out, like we've seen guys like Le'Veon Bell in the past, most notably, do we see a holdout by Aaron Jones until he gets traded or until the Packers are willing to pay him up uh, pay, pay him up themselves, right? So what I actually do not mind in this scenario 
is the Green Bay Packers franchise tag Aaron Jones at $10-11 million. Option A, he signs it. He plays on the one-year deal. But option B, and the more likely option in my mind, the more likely scenario, is that the, let's say the team like the Miami Dolphins in this situation offers Aaron Jones a, a contract. The Green Bay Packers know this. So what the Green Bay Packers do is they trade Aaron Jones to the Miami Dolphins then for, let's just say, a second-round pick. And I think he's worth that, right? So the Miami Dolphins were probably, because they are obviously a team that is now looking to compete and, and really contend a little bit in the AFC, the Dolphins were probably going to use their second first-round pick or if not their second-round pick on a running back this year. I would imagine they are if they don't land another running back. So if you're the Miami Dolphins... Why not just go send that second round pick over to Green Bay in exchange for the running back who you wanted anyways and for a running back who you know can produce at the NFL level? You know what Aaron Jones is. You don't know what these rookies are going to be. Why not send the second round pick? If you're Aaron Jones, you get your contract extension in Miami, right? And then if you're the Packers, well, you just drafted Aaron Jones for a fifth round pick and then a few years later you swapped him out for a second. Call me crazy, but I I think that's a pretty good win-win-win scenario for all sides. Listen, we don't know what's going to happen with this franchise tag and Aaron Jones and all that, but just the more and more I get the sense that Aaron Jones is going to be franchise tagged, and I feel like this is how it could shake out. I'm not saying any kind of an ugly departure or anything like that. I think it's going to be a very amicable process, but I just think it's it's more so that the Green Bay Packers are probably not willing to pay Aaron Jones that contract extension with some of the other names they have coming up, like Jair Alexander. They're going to have to pay Devontae Adams, whatnot. But I think that that just this scenario is is going to be what is going to benefit all sides, all parties involved, and including the Dolphins as well. So keep an eye out for that. We'll see if that's how it shakes out. Okay, let's get to the meat and potatoes here. Let's get in the meat and potatoes of this episode, our free agency primer for 2021. Let me quickly rattle off our needs heading into free agency here. So we have running back, wide receiver, tight end, right tackle, defensive end, linebacker, a cornerback two, someone who can slot in behind Jair Alexander and replace Kevin King if if we do not bring him back, and then a quarterback two. And yes, a quarterback, a backup quarterback. And I want to talk about the backup quarterback first. This is a big question that nobody's talking about. Tim Boyle's a free agent this year. Do we bring Tim Boyle back? The better question is, is Jordan Love ready to step in if we need him to? God forbid, knock on wood, Aaron Rodgers goes down for two, three, four games in 2021. We know we have a competitive roster, a team that can can compete here and contend. At this point in Jordan Love's career, if he needed to step in for 8, 12, 16 quarters, would he sink or would he swim? And, and the reason why I ask that is because a lot of the media attention around Jordan Love being drafted last year was centered around Jordan Love's relationship with Aaron Rodgers. How, would, how is this going to affect Aaron Rodgers, yada, yada, yada? Well, none of the talk was about how Jordan Love actually looked. I, don't, I can't remember ever hearing about... Jordan Love is making these nice plays in practice. Yeah, we heard these. We heard the coach speak, and yeah, he's working, he's progressing, yada, yada, yada. Some of the players were saying some things, but but we never heard of this, you know, like kind of how we heard with Patrick Mahomes in practices and seen him in preseason and stuff like that. There was none of this hype around Jordan Love this past year. 
So that kind of, to me, I feel like we would have heard about it if it was warranted. And, and, and that could be complete speculation. I, I, I could be talking out of my out of my butt here, but but it's just a matter of if Jordan Love was ready to take that next step, I feel like we might have heard of it by now. So that has that's the only reason why I'm questioning it. So at this point, do we bring back Tim Boyle, who we know does have a ceiling. I think he has a ceiling of being a starting quarterback in this NFL. I'm not going to say he's some sort of an elite talent or anything like that, but I think that he will get his opportunity at some point. So do we try and bring back Tim Boyle? And then not only that, it's not as easy as just saying, hey, Tim, come back. But does Tim Boyle even want to come back? Does he think that there's a better opportunity in another city? And honestly, I would think so. Let's look at a team like Chicago right now. If Tim Boyle, for some reason, went over to Chicago to back up Nick Foles on the depth chart right now, as it stands, are you telling me that Tim Boyle doesn't think that he might might not get a chance to start in Chicago in 2021? So I think that Tim Boyle might be weighing his options. I don't even know if he thinks being sandwiched in between a Hall of Famer and, and a first-round pick last year I don't know if that's an ideal situation for Tim Boyle as far his as far as his career aspirations go so what I've done now with keeping all of this in mind is I've laid out some younger options and some older options younger options under 30 Kyle Allen he's 25 years old uh, former Carolina Panthers quarterback uh, also free agent most recently with the Washington football team he followed Ron Rivera over there fractured his ankle in 2020 but I'll tell you what Kyle Allen has really shown some flashes in his time, his 16 career starts. He has shown flashes. He has shown not that he is necessarily going to be a truck for his team, but that he can at least manage a game. He can be a trailer. He can distribute the ball to the right person, right? And that's all we need. If 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 we do need him to come in at that point, we need a game manager, someone who's not necessarily going to hurt us, and we can figure out the rest, right? Uh, another option, Brett Hundley. 28 years old now, a familiar face. And that's the only reason why I have him on this list. Brett Hundley's not necessarily any kind of a... <laughs> I, I would honestly take Kyle Allen over Brett Hundley. But uh, only reason I have Brett Hundley on this list is because, he, is because he is a familiar face. 28 years old now, maybe a little bit more wiser, a little bit more experienced. Um, knows what we want to do. And the other thing is, the other thing that maybe not a lot of people think about is his, his uh, acclimation to the locker room. Right, Brett Hundley can come in and see some familiar faces and people know him and it's an easy, hey guys, how's it going? How you been? Move on with business, right? It's none of this getting to know each other. Uh, and another, a final guy under 30 years old that I want to mention, uh, I don't think that he will be available, but if he does, Packers need to take a serious look at him. Again, this is only if they feel Jordan Love isn't ready. If Jordan Love is ready, then forget everything that I'm saying here. But, but CJ Beathard, Right. If Jordan Love isn't ready, if he needs to be another year uh, as that inactive kind of practice squad quarterback kind of deal um, and get some reps in practice first, C.J. Beathard at 28 years old, who's appeared in 19 career games, started 12 of them. He would be a spectacular option. He's shown some great flashes. I think he's a third round pick. The San Francisco 49ers have given him some opportunities to start and he's been in and out of the lineup you know, with uh, Nick Mullins and, and Jimmy Garoppolo and stuff like that. But C.J. Beathard, in his opportunities, he has shown some things. And I think that not only would he be able to manage a game for us, but he could go out and win some games for us. He is that talented. I really like C.J. Beathard. I think he's a guy we should really take a look at. Older options, above 30. I have, I'll, I'll fly through these guys quick. Mike Glennon, Joe Flacco, A.J. McCarron, and a final one that I do not think is very likely, but I wanted to put him on here anyways, was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Mike Glennon veteran, uh, consummate professional, 
Guy has been in the league for a long time, just knows how to get it done. Again, not a guy who's going to go out there and win you a game, but a guy who hopefully wouldn't necessarily hurt you in the process. A very experienced guy under center um, should we need him. Joe Flacco is another guy. Uh, listen, hasn't really... <laughs> I think a lot of people might have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouths when it comes to Joe Flacco just because he's not necessarily that... Uh, that MVP, that Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco that we saw uh, some years ago. But but Joe Flacco is still at the end of the day. He has won a Super Bowl. He obviously understands what it takes to win a game. So Joe Flacco is a, definitely a serviceable option at the backup quarterback position. And AJ, AJ McCarron is a, is a little bit of a younger option, still above 30. But uh, a former guy who was in the, in the Heisman running at one point, um, hasn't really had too much success in the NFL, but he's at least carved out a backup role in the NFL. So a guy worth looking at nonetheless. And then finally, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, um, I just think that he might be going for a, a job where he sees more of a, a starting potential. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown numerous occasions that he can still compete at the NFL level. So a backup role, purely a backup role is not necessarily uh, what would be ideal for him, I don't think, but I would welcome him if he if he was picked up by the Packers. So that those are my faces to keep an eye on at the QB2 position. Let's move on to the running backs here because this is a pretty big one for us. I got a few names to throw at you guys. Now I want to key in on guys who are change of pace or receiving backs. I do have one guy here who is an all third round, third, three down running back, but the other guys are a little bit more specialized in a change of pace slash receiving back. First guy, James White. And that's for obvious reasons. If you don't already know, the Green Bay Packers are in conversation. They have expressed their interest in James White. And I think that would be amazing. You want to talk about that leadership role? James White has won numerous Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. He understands how to get it done. He would be spectacular combination uh, in the running back room with A.J. Dillon as our lead back, if that if that is who we decide is our lead back in 2021. James White is is purely a receiving back, not really a guy who's going to run it in between the tackles for you. But again, it's the leadership, it's the experience, it's it's the wherewithal, it's the cerebral ability that he's going to bring to the table, along with the fact that, again, he can get it done in the receiving game. He's a very good receiving back. So James White would be a very welcomed addition. Second on my list here, T.J. Yeldon. Now, a lot of people don't think about TJ Yeldon because when he went to Buffalo, he was a former backup of Leonard Fournette, went to Buffalo, and I thought he was actually going to be the lead dog over there in Buffalo. But then the Buffalo Bills ended up building up this running back room, uh, this like four-headed, five-headed monster over there uh, in Buffalo in their running back room. And TJ Yeldon kind of got lost in the mix there, along with he had some injuries. But TJ Yeldon is built like a three-down prototypical running back in the NFL. He is 6'2", 230. He bangs. And he can also catch the ball very well. A Bama product. TJ Yeldon is always been a guy who I've been fond of. I think that maybe uh, going to a contender with, with a fresh start and, and a chance to really just get more reps would really do wonders for TJ Yeldon, right? Again, he was in a running back room with three, four, five guys at one point that, that could really start at the end of the day. So TJ Yeldon just wasn't really seeing much opportunity. So I think TJ Yeldon is a guy that really, really could flourish in the Green Bay Packers offense. And not only that, contrary to what James White can do, TJ Yeldon can not only catch the ball, but he can run it in between the tackles. Again, he's he's 6'2", 230, just a prototypical back. He's built like he's Le'Veon Bell. Final guy that I want to mention here at the running back position is Marlon Mack. 
And Marlon Mack is probably the best name on my list here. And here's the reason why. Marlon Mack is coming off of an injury uh, in week two of 2020. Missed the rest of the season. And listen, I know that people are a little bit turned off as soon as they hear an injury, that, that a season-ending injury. But I'll tell you what, Marlon Mack has proven that he's a three-down back in this league. And if we could pick up a three-down back who is coming off an injury, who really I don't think that this is going to be a... a I'm struggling to remember what the injury was right now. I cannot remember if it was soft tissue related or not. But if we can get a guy who is not going to be commanding a lot of money, but who has the potential that Marlon Mack does in our running back room, I think that's a steal. Because Marlon Mack is not, he can't command a lot of money. He cannot. And so bringing him in on a one-year deal, that's probably what it would be because he would want to hit free agency next year after hopefully he shows that he's still productive back in the NFL. Bring him in on a one-year deal behind A.J. Dillon. He can show also mentor Dillon to a certain extent. And Marlon Mack is still very young as well. I believe he's 20, 25, 26 years old. Bring Marlon Mack in. I think that that would be a hell of a free agency acquisition that a lot of people are not thinking about right now. Again, I'm trying to be cap conscious here with, with everything, right? The Green Bay Packers, although we have shedded some cap with Rick Wagner and Christian Kirksey, we are far from over. We still need to probably restructure Aaron Rodgers, probably maybe even cut Preston Smith still, who knows, probably restructure a guy like Billy Turner, um, extend and then restructure Devontae Adams. We've got a lot of moves to make here to just get under the cap. We have to be cap conscious and that is why JJ Watt just wasn't going to be an option for us if he wanted more than, I'm going to say, $10 million a year. We just we just couldn't do it. You know, our our money was just better spent elsewhere, in my opinion. Let's move on to the wide receivers here. I got some I got some mixture of of names here to throw at you guys. T.Y. Hilton, Marlon Mack's teammate over there, former teammate over there in Indianapolis. Now, I think that Indianapolis might bring T.Y. Hilton back, but if they do not, I think that he's worth a look. Wrong side of 30, yes, but he is still very productive, and he's a guy who can still work the middle of the field very well. He is still a speed threat, not going to quite take the top off the defense like Marquez Valdez-Scantling will, but he can still work the middle of the field very well and really, at the end of the day, just take attention away from Devontae Adams. We have Devin Funches, who 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 knows if he's going to be on our roster this year. We have Alan Lazard, who what we should be bringing back, um, and then Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Listen, T.Y. Hilton getting added to this roster would absolutely bolster this wide receiver room and I think that uh, would really make it a dangerous one especially if we can take the pressure off some of our younger players like MVS and and Lizard T.Y. Hilton would be huge a huge pickup for us now how much he wants that's another question who knows I I don't know if I'd be willing to pay T.Y. Hilton anything more than six seven million dollars a year but uh, if he's willing to take something in that ballpark then by all means I think we bring him in uh, Corey Davis, and this is a little bit less likely for us just because Corey Davis is coming off a very nice season over there in Tennessee. I think he's going to probably command a little bit more money than we can afford. So Corey Davis is a little bit of a long shot for us, but if we could bring him in, uh, Corey Davis has proven he's not a guy that can be the number one in offense. He is not that guy, right? Which makes you question why the Tennessee Titans drafted him at <laughs> I think it was ninth overall or, or, or something like that in that ball. Maybe it was even sooner than that. But he was a top 10 pick, Corey Davis, and uh, probably not didn't deserve to be a top 10 pick. Um, but I'll tell you what, he has carved out a very nice role in the NFL, and he has shown that he is a top-end wide receiver, too, in any offense. 
he 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 needs that he needs to be that guy who can just take the pressure off the number one he's a possession receiver built very similar to like a running back uh not the tallest guy in the world I, actually i think he's maybe six one six i think he's around that six one maybe Devonte adams um but he's he's a little bit thicker as well and, and he can really play physical as well um so he would really fill that role in terms of fill, fill that that prototype that the green bay packers have followed in in a bigger receiver like a more physical receiver in that sense who can get dig dig a dig a linebacker out dig a defensive end out in, in in the run game third guy i want to mention is john ross and i've mentioned him on the podcast before john ross would purely be coming in to add just a playmaker that is who john ross would be is a playmaker um he is not going to be a guy who's going to go dig a guy out uh in, in the run game uh john ross is purely coming in to essentially fill in that tyler irvin if we do not bring him back that tyler irvin role who is that threat to that lateral threat um, in the in the motion game, uh, that is who John Ross would be. Not only that, John Ross, maybe a fresh start is what he needs. Maybe it is what he needs. And if we have Marquez Valdez-Scantling and John Ross, probably two of the fastest guys in the entire National Football League on the same team and on the field together at the same time, that is creating a lot of headaches for the defense. A ton of headaches, especially with the way the Green Bay Packers run the ball. They force people to maybe come up and and load the box a little bit more. And then you have two deep threats over the top. That really puts a lot of stress on the defense. I think John Ross would be a great fit in this scheme and and giving a guy another opportunity um, as as a former ninth overall pick, give him another opportunity on a contending roster and, and who knows what kind of motivation he has coming into the 2021 season. Uh, fourth guy I want to mention is Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is, again, kind of similar to Corey Davis, probably going to be commanding a little too much for us. But in the event that he doesn't, Marvin Jones, another very, very good top tier in my mind, wide receiver too. Another guy who is very similar. Uh, things that I that I talked about with Corey Davis, Marvin Jones is going to be able to work the middle of the field very well. And really, when Kenny Galladay, who is the next name I'm going to mention here, when Kenny Galladay went down this year and he was in and out of the line, lineup, who do you think was the wide receiver one for Matthew Stafford? It was Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones stepped up in a big way. Um, Marvin Jones has never really been looked at as that guy who's going to be the number one receiver in an offense. But uh, but you want to know what? He's never really had to be. And last year, he was. And he showed that he can get it done. So with that being said, Marvin Jones, probably a little bit out of our price range. But if he's maybe willing to take a little bit of a discount to come to a contender, who knows? Maybe he comes to a title town and really creates a dynamic duo with, with Devontae Adams there on the perimeter. My final guy that I want to mention, I already talked about him, already alluded uh, to him, Kenny Galladay. And the reason why I have Kenny Galladay on here is the exact same reason I had Marlon Mack on here. We can get Kenny Galladay probably for a cheaper cost. He's in the same position uh, to that of uh, Allen Robinson was back in, I want to say that was 2015, when Allen Robinson uh, tore his ACL with the Jacksonville Jaguars and he was hitting free agency and the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't want to throw the franchise tag on him. They didn't want to extend him uh, after he tore his ACL. So he hit free agency, went to the Chicago Bears and has been very quietly a dominant receiver over there in Chicago. Been getting a ton of targets and whatnot. Kenny Galladay show, has all of the talent in the world to be just a red zone threat 
Um, big body receiver, just a six foot five, big body dude with good hands. Kenny Galladay is so much fun to watch. Honestly, one of my favorite receivers in the NFL. Just a world of talent. And again, the fact that he is coming off of it's 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 an AC joint is what hindered him all year. I know that because I had him on fantasy. He was my first round pick in fantasy in my keeper league. Kenny Galladay with the AC joint, it's it's I don't think it's one of those that is really gonna hinder him going forward, especially now that he had all off season. To, to heal it and whatnot. If I'm the Detroit Lions, I'm bringing Kenny Galladay back. But in the event that they don't, I think that he needs to be near, if not at the top of our priority list in the free agency market. Just a, just a big red zone threat. Man, would he be fun with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. We've, sh- we've seen how much he can do with Matthew Stafford throwing him the ball. And no disrespect to Matthew Stafford. He is uh, one of the more respected quarterbacks in my books of all time. But uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is still the far better thrower of the football. And <laughs> I think that Kenny Galladay would, would enjoy catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. So those are my wide receivers to keep an eye out for in free agency. Let's move on to tight end. And guys, this one's short and sweet. Bring Mercedes Lewis back, please. Please. And I'll put the emphasis once again on leadership. Mercedes Lewis. Listen, he does what is asked of him. He is one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. He can catch the ball when he is asked to catch the ball. It's not going to be often that he catches it, but he can do it. Robert Tunyon hopefully will be back as a restricted free agent with us here. Hopefully he'll be back. That'll be our receiving threat. Maybe Jay Sternberger can take another leap. And then we have Mercedes Lewis coming back in that veteran leadership role again, running it back one more time to hopefully go and make a run at a championship I just I just think that we need to bring him back. I know Aaron Rodgers said that he was actually surprised that we we brought back Big Dog um, last season, but hopefully there's no surprises this season. Hopefully Mercedes Lewis is back in a Packers uniform, man. I, that's one of those guys on the roster where, even as a fan, you know we're not in the locker room, but you just kind of feel that that energy from the players through the TV screen, and it's just it's Mercedes Lewis is just one of those guys as a fan. You want to win a Super Bowl for. You want to be a part of that. You want to see that guy lift a Lombardi trophy, right? So bring back Big Dog. Um, I want to start a petition, honestly, for that. If if, <laughs> if it's not looking bright, we should start a petition for, for Mercedes Lewis back in a Packers uniform in 2021. So um, besides that, tight ends doesn't look too bright for us in the free agency market just because a guy like Hunter Henry is going to be far out of our price range. That guy is well-deserving of uh, whatever money he makes whatever bag he secures in the offseason so uh, Hunter Henry is not in the question for us I don't think Um, Mercedes Lewis is probably the best option in in my in my books on to the right tackle and uh, this right tackle need you guys based on what I saw in the free agency board here might just be a draft need for us the right tackle position we let go of Rick Wagner maybe we bring him back right we had to clear cap with him maybe we bring him back on a veteran minimum during free agency. We've seen that before. Another guy that we could bring in as well, uh, because there's not too many big names on the right tackle board this year, guys. There's not too many. Jason Spriggs. And and some of you may remember the name Jason Spriggs. Listen, I I know that he didn't work out too well with the Packers. Second round pick, probably had high hopes for him. Um, Just didn't really pan out. He's known to be a swing tackle. He can play on the left or right side. So adding to that versatility that the Green Bay Packers have on that offensive line. Maybe just again, being that he's a familiar name, maybe that's a guy we look to bring back, right? And 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 maybe at the at the very least, just filling in for a game or something, right? Maybe David Bakhtiari only needs one game, four quarters. We just need Jason Springs to go fill out, 
fill over there in at uh, right tackle while Billy Turner goes over to the left tackle and, and, and maybe that's it. And then he can just be a depth piece for us. But um, otherwise, guys, I think that the right tackle might just be a draft for us. A dra- I would expect it to be our first round draft pick. And we'll talk about that when the draft coverage comes. I'm already looking at tape and whatnot. So right tackle right now is probably zeroed in for me anyways as our as our round one need. And as a pretty much a plug and play kind of option for us, but Jason Spriggs and Rick Wagner on the old are the only two names for me, anyways, that I saw that I would say that I'm willing to go and uh, reach out to in free agency. Maybe there's another one that other people have their eye on. The Packers have their eye on. If so, we would absolutely welcome them because I truly am a big believer in staying rich in the trenches. I we we need to keep our quarterback protected, and not only that, but the run game. We know how valuable the run game is in our offense. We need guys who can block for us, guys, and, and and create some holes and set up that play action game for us. And hopefully we can be dynamite once again in 2021. Uh, moving on to our second to last need, our penultimate need here in the free agency. Defensive end. And I had a guy here as I was doing my research for this episode, J.J. Watt, right at the top of the list. But that name is crossed out. So moving on to our next guy here on my list, Ryan Kerrigan. Maybe not a guy that people are thinking about a lot. Now, and and here's my case for Ryan Kerrigan. Worked with Joe Barry for a couple years while in during his time in Washington. Okay, so he is familiar already with this, what what Joe Barry, how Joe Barry likes to conduct things, how he likes to teach, right? This is hopefully not going to be a big learning curve for Ryan Kerrigan if he does come in. Another thing, he's 33 years old right now, so not the age necessarily that we are looking at (laughs) that we would uh, key on in the free agency per se. But I'll tell you what, he's very productive at 33 years old. He has shown that he can still get it done. And he would come in and play that exact same role that J.J. Watt would, still able to get after the quarterback, responsible in the run game. And honestly, he would probably come even cheaper than J.J. Watt would. Right, J.J. Watt, we were looking at maybe in that 8 to $10 million range. Maybe Ryan Kerrigan comes in that 5 to 6 five to seven million dollar range right and and i would absolutely welcome him with open arms if we were to get him five and a half sacks in 2021 but again it's what he brings as a veteran that is what i'm most concerned about um his he understands his responsibilities he's reliable and above all he's less likely to make a mental error which is exactly in my mind as i broke down in our very first episode of outside the tundra that is exactly what cost the Packers in the NFC Championship game was a series of mental errors. If Ryan Kerrigan cannot do that, that would be amazing for us. Um, next guy that I want to bring up, Everson Griffin. And Everson Griffin, the reason why I bring him up is because 34 years old, a veteran who probably just wants to win at this point, willing to sign a one-year deal, probably could get him for cheap as well, um, was, you know, making a couple of splashes while in his time in Detroit there last year. Wasn't too crazy, but... Um, again, 34 years old, you can't expect uber production out of him. And But the thing is, is that Everson Griffin, you guys will remember, was rumored to be going to the Packers. I think it was last season, if not the season before, um, in a trade, or not in a trade, but but picking him up off of uh, when the Vikings released him. So Everson Griffin could be a guy, um, again, with that motivation to be coming to a contender here in 2021. Maybe he's a guy who can uh, absolutely fill in that need that we have another veteran coming in to, to replace. Um, we have Tyler Lancaster, who hopefully we're bringing back, um, Dean Lowry, but who knows, maybe that, that's a guy who's cut. 
We, we, we don't know right now, but I think Everson Griffin might be an upgrade over a guy like Dean Lowry at this at this given moment. And, and definitely Ryan Kerrigan, in my mind, would be an upgrade over Dean Lowry um, just based on the recent production that we have seen out of both those players. The final guy I want to talk about on the defensive end side of things is Danico Autry. Had himself a very nice year with the Indianapolis Colts last year. A guy who probably about the mid-season point when I was watching a Colts game, I, I, I thought to myself, you want to know what? That needs to be a free agent target of us in 2021. And, and that's how long I've been have I so I've had my eye on Danico Autry for months now. Um, another guy who can just get after the quarterback, right? 20 sacks in 40 career games with the Indianapolis Colts. Not bad at all. Um, 31 years old, an undrafted product out of Mississippi State. And I think he was drafted by the the Raiders. Um, wasn't crazy productive with the with the Raiders when during their time in Oakland. I think he was just kind of another player. Um, in the in the rotation there, but he has really found himself another level with with his time at the Indianapolis Colts. And and you want to know what I think that he would fit in very well with the Green Bay Packers. Again, a guy who similar to uh, Ryan Kerrigan and Everson Griffin and J.J. Watt, Danico Autry has proven that he can still get after the quarterback. Not only that, but but he would again be responsible in that run game. So um, Danico Autry could be. A guy that we look at. And a final guy, actually, I'm just going to quickly mention. Carl Lawson of the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I really don't think that he's going to be leaving Cincinnati. I'd be surprised if he did. But if he did hit the market, and, and maybe he would be asking for too much money. But maybe a guy that the Packers look at. Um, he had a breakout year, a really good year, and was one of the bright spots in the Bengals defense last year, along with Jesse Bates. But I think that Carl Lawson could be a guy that the Packers look at. Again, maybe just kick the tires on him just to see, hey, how much are you really looking for? And if it's too much, move on. But if it's something that they can play around with, a guy who is a little bit even younger than the rest of the guys I just mentioned on the right side of 30 and uh, who can really get after the quarterback and, and I think, again, would really fit well in our scheme. That's it for defensive ends. Let's move on to the cornerbacks, our final group here of the free agency primer episode. I really like this group of free agency uh, cornerbacks in this class, you guys. I want to start with Carl Lawson's teammate, or former teammate, William Jackson. Struggled a bit last year, but I'll tell you what, he has been the Bengals' best cover corner for years now. And I really think we could grab him in that 7 to $8 million range. This is a guy who, really, at the end of the day, you stick him in a man-to-man kind of scheme, uh, or, or really in a zone as well if you want, but but a guy who is capable, more than capable of just locking down on a man and making it an island, right? Especially if we have Jair Alexander taking the, the opposing team's best wide receiver on a weekly basis and William Jackson can focus on his guy, the second best receiver on the team. William Jackson would be a big, big upgrade over Kevin King. I love, I really do like Kevin King. Obviously, he didn't have the greatest game, and he's he struggled at times. But I really do like Kevin King and what he brings to the table from his physicality standpoint and his his run game support. But William ja- and so I don't really know too much about William Jackson's run game support, but I do know about him in coverage. And and William Jackson is is really he can be spectacular in coverage. Seven to eight million dollar range. I would absolutely love to see William Jackson in a Packers uniform. Not only that, but 
maybe a, an underrated tidbit would be the fact that he's played in Cincinnati, so he understands what it's like to play in a little bit colder weather as well. Um, maybe not Green Bay cold, but he still understands what it's like to play in the snow a little bit, and so that could be something that really benefits his, benefits him as well going later on into the year. A second guy, Troy Hill, who was Jalen Ramsey's backup over there in Los Angeles, uh, for simple reasons, him coming over to Green Bay, he would be following Joe Barry over to Green Bay. He played very well as the second cornerback behind Jalen Ramsey last year. Another guy who can just really flat out cover. Um, I think that he was fairly responsible in the running game as well. Troy Hill's uh, not not a young guy by any stretch. I think he's on th- at 30 years old, 31 years old. But Troy Hill can still get it done. He's proven that he can still get it done. And and maybe a little bit of even a late bloomer in his career. Uh, going from one, one team who made the playoffs last year to another team who's really even just looking to contend this year. Uh, win a championship and follow his defensive defensive coach over there to Green Bay. I think Troy Hill, that could be incentive for Troy Hill to come over to, to the green and gold here. My third guy and my final guy who I'm truly interested in at the cornerback position here is A.J. Bouye. And similar to Troy Hill with that familiarity standpoint, A.J. Bouye, Bouye is uh, coming over from Denver. He would be coming over from there, mile high, He's played in the Vic Fangio scheme. And you guys will remember that is the exact scheme that Joe Barry's bringing over there from Los Angeles. So it might not be a steep learning curve for him if he were to come over to Green Bay. He would understand his responsibilities. He would understand what he needs to do. And not only that, but he was forced to be the wide receiver one in Denver. He wouldn't be the wide receiver one in Green Bay. He'd be the wide receiver two. And similar to how he was, he was actually similar to Troy Hill. He was also the backup behind uh, Jalen Ramsey. He was the second cornerback over there in their time at Jacksonville. And A.J. Bowie really made a name for himself over there. Can't remember if he made All-Pro. I think he might have made All-Pro that one year. But I think that he would be a very stellar number two behind Jair Alexander. And uh, A.J. Bowie has really just been a pro for many years now. He's a veteran. Again, just being in that Vic Fangio scheme. Be a big boost for him coming over here. Not a steep learning curve would fit in very well and uh, bring him on if, if if that's the case. And also, I think that we can maybe get him for cheap as well. I think that's the other thing as well to, to note. I think we could really get him for for cheap, uh, maybe even cheaper than, than William Jackson. So something to keep an eye on. And I want to wrap up this episode just with uh, also with cornerbacks here, but guys who I'm not really buying. And there's a lot of hype around a guy like Patrick Peterson. There's a, a lot of hype around a guy like Richard Sherman. There's a lot of hype around uh, Josh Norman as well. But I'll tell you what, I'm not really buying all three of these guys. Patrick Peterson has been one of my favorite players in the NFL for quite some time now. But he's just going to command too much money for me. Uh, and and for what he might bring to the table, I don't know if he will be worth that money. Right? It, it's kind of going similar to J.J. Watt. An older player who is probably going to make some good money in 2021 wherever he goes but the thing is is do we spend all of our cap dollars in one guy or do we go and spread it out amongst two or three guys that are going to help us right and and not only that but Patrick Peterson isn't a lock to be some kind of superstar cornerback for us right I, I like him over some of the other names probably that I mentioned but it's not like Patrick Peterson is 25 years old you know, prime Patrick Peterson here that we're getting. Still probably one of the best athletes on the field, no doubt. 
but just a little too much money for my liking. Richard Sherman, smart, cerebral player. Everybody knows that. But we've seen injuries really start to become an issue for him and hinder him a bit. And it's really, it's clear to me that he's lost a step. Um, I think it was two years ago in the playoffs. You guys will remember back in the NFC Championship game, not last year, but in 2019, Devontae Adams just simply, well, he got a great release on Richard Sherman, but he just he just ran past him. And Devontae Adams by no means, Devontae Adams is skilled in just about every area on the football field as a wide receiver. But one of his we'll call it weaknesses or one of his not his greatest strength is he's not the fastest guy in the world he's definitely increased his speed over the year but Devontae Adams is not a guy that you have in that conversation for a speed receiver so the fact that Devontae was able to blow by Richard Sherman with ease a little bit concerning for me because that's not the fastest guy that he's going to face and your smarts your your cerebral ability can only take you so far this is football at the end of the day, and you need to allow your physical ability to take to you got to take that into consideration. So with Richard Sherman, especially the money that he might want to get paid, similar with Patrick Peterson, I just don't see the value there for Richard Sherman. Um, and that's the same word with that I'll use with Patrick Peterson. I'm not sh- quite sure I see the value there. Uh, we're not getting prime Richard Sherman. We're not getting prime Patrick Peterson here for that money. So guys who I'm just not really buying. And the final guy is Josh Norman. And Josh Norman is quite simply, he's just struggled in coverage really since his his days at Carolina um, when he was, I I believe he went to Pro Bowl, maybe the all pro he he made as well. Um, He took a sharp decline. He he fell off a cliff, really. Uh, I remember the, I think it was a primetime game. Maybe it was a Sunday nighter. The Buffalo Bills were playing this past season and uh, Tredavious White was actually out of of the lineup and really it forced Josh Norman to become the wide receiver or the cornerback one for the night and he got torched he got torched man Josh Norman is just uh listen I I appreciate his his confidence and all that but uh just at this point in his career man it's just not really not doing it for me I'm not I'm not buying it so guys that is my free agency primer for 2021 I hope you guys enjoyed it there's a lot of names that we just went through and there's a lot of names that we didn't go through that could very that will probably very well be on the Packers radar that we're not aware of. A lot of fun things coming up, a lot of news to break down. Again, we're only in the transition tag and franchise tag period right now, so there will be a little little bit of news breaking here over the next few weeks, but uh, until we get to the free agency side, you know, we're we're going to be breaking down a couple of uh, maybe some draft stuff. Maybe we'll talk about some other free agency guys, but but once that free agency period hits, man, we're going to have a ton to talk about because we're going to break down um, the, the contract. Whoever we sign, we're going to break down uh, how that's going to affect maybe our future cap, and then not only that, how that's going to affect our roster and, and, and the team that we're going to see in 2021. Can't wait to do it with you guys. Can't wait to, to break that all down with you guys. I am out of here for the third episode. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm Josh Frysam on Outside the Tundra. We'll see you guys next time.